Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for Hey, everybody. I'm really excited about our show today here. We have Duamel Vellon on here, and he just quit his job in December. What I love about this interview is that he shares some really actionable tips on what he does to raise money. It's kind of unique as well. And then also how he ensures deal flow. And it's it's not the normal thing calling brokers. He actually started his 206-unit portfolio doing this other thing that we're going to talk about, which I think is really unique. So I think we're really, really going to enjoy the show here today with Wamel. Before we get going into that, I want to point out to you guys, Dealmaker Live is scheduled for June 2nd through 4th. We're almost halfway at our capacity, which is really cool. So I want to make sure that you guys grab your tickets at dealmakerliveevent.com. We also have Damon John confirmed as our keynote speaker, Robert Helms as well. And it's going to be just a magical event where you're going to meet partners, investors, and deal flow. It's going to be awesome as it normally is. So that's dealmakerliveevent.com. Also want to shout out for Alan Wilt, who left us a review on iTunes. He says, been listening for a few years while in active duty in the Marines. I listen to Michael and Garrett while I run, drive during my downtime at work and while cleaning my house. Okay. Amazing insight that I've taken a lot of notes on. So thanks, Alan, for that. Appreciate that. Uh, I want to do a first deal student, PJ Kaminer, who closed an 82 unit for $7.3 in Fort Worth, Texas. And his role in the partnership was raising primarily capital. And he was a student of one of our mentors, Matt Bronner, who's a successful syndicator himself. So congratulations, PJ, and closing your first deal as well. So with that, let's get our co-host here on the show, Garrett Lynch. Garrett, what's going on? What's going on, Michael? So right now we're in an environment of rising interest rates and rising inflation. So let me talk about that real quick, uh, but I also have a question for you about that. So what we're seeing is we've seen uh, high inflation rates, somewhere between 8 to 10%, depending on who you ask. And then we have a rising interest rate. We had a quarter percent increase. And so what's happening is that the higher inflation is driving up the rents so much that our portfolio has increased to such a point where we're getting valuations that we're projecting in five years and we're getting it after 12 months. So it's interesting that we're, we're seeing that. And yes, interest rates are going to inch up. But I th don't think that the Fed is going to do what they did in the early 80s, which is to increase interest rates so much that they will actually control inflation. So uh, I think they will go up, but they'll go up, I don't know, one or two points, which sounds like a lot. But in if inflation is going up, right? The nominal interest rates are actually zero or possibly even negative, right? So what this means is it's still going to continue driving prices up as well as returns. And so, and, and this is why I'm really bullish on, on apartments as well. Now, what we're, what we're seeing on, on rising interest rates, so we are seeing effect. We talked about this, Garrett. We're seeing an effect on deal flow. Talk about what we think is happening with rising interest on, on deal flow. Yeah. So what we're seeing, I'm seeing more deal flow than I have in a while, as far as I can't, I can't keep the deals out of my inbox right now. And it's been interesting because during COVID and at post COVID, you've seen different cycles, almost quarterly, maybe even monthly in the market where we've had shifts where it's been really tight. Then the price, then there was no inventory, then they're back. And now I think that there's more deal flow than ever, mostly because people are 
nervous about rising interest rates and they think it's going to affect values so much so that they need to get rid of their deals. And so especially those that you know, maybe they're not operating it properly or whatever. They're like, let me just get out. Let me get what I can for the deal. And then, you know, it'll, it'll be great. So I'm seeing a lot of these things hit my inbox, but we're still playing, you know, long-term game. And so there's still, there's opportunities to be had where these operators that aren't doing so well, want to get out early and we can come and take advantage of that with when there's a deal with a ton of upside in the back end. And so that's what we're looking at now specifically with with what's happening in the market. Yeah, the question becomes then, you know, why buy, you know, at the peak, right? All these people are getting out and we're the dumb ones buying, you know, their essential flip. And and that argument does sound logical because I'm a logical guy, but what's happening is that while that may be happening and it's even happening to us where we're like, man, maybe we should sell this thing even though we've only had it for 18 months. But the reality is that it's, quote, forcing so many operators to sell because they're realizing the gains they didn't forecast for like four or five years. Now, like, man, we're getting this gain now. Should we get out? Yeah, we should probably get out. Now, the question is, how much higher can it go? And this is my argument is that it can go much higher because at an inflation rate of 10% and anemic interest rate hikes at a quarter, half, one, that gap is so large that it will continue driving up rents and valuations of these properties. And so this asset class really, really benefits from inflation. The higher inflation is, the longer it takes, the higher the values will go. Therefore, it doesn't matter if I'm buying someone out of their high return because we are going to drive it higher. And not only that, we're going to do a value add because we wouldn't buy any other place. So while that's going on, it's actually good. It's actually really good for everybody. The deal flow is increasing. We can get in. You're still going to buy right. You're not going to compromise your buying criteria, but your ability to get into deals right now and, and where this could go is awesome. So I'm excited about that. Let's pivot here to the interview with Duamel because I met him a few years ago at an event and he started listening to the podcast like you guys are now. He started ramping up his network. He purchased our syndicated deal end ladder, which, which he uses still to this day, as do we for our deals. And it kind of lit a fire on them. So he started doing some networking and some deals and he built his team. And now he manages a total of 203 units in Florida and Georgia. He's raised over $6 million in capital. And of course, he's now looking to scale his portfolio. And he quit his job in late of last year. So we want to know how he did it. And I think you're going to be really, get into weeds a little bit on some of the tactics he employs, both to raise capital and also to ensure regular detail deal flow. So let's get right into the interview with Duamel. Duamel, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much, Michael. Glad to be here, man. So this is, a, this is really cool, man. You quit your job literally late last year which is awesome. It's like, you know, the favorite podcast. People just love that because that's what everybody wants. They want to control your time and you did it. And of course, on the show, we're going to try to get into how you did it. And it's like, you know, everyone's story is slightly different, but then it's also very similar, right? But get us up to speed on what, you know, how did you get started in real estate and what was going on in your life? Like, why did you even start thinking about real estate? It may have been far beyond you before thinking of apartment buildings, but, you know, start with oh, real yeah. estate first. Sure, man. And uh, I try not to like belabor the backstory because sometimes you know it's like we feel like we've overcame so much like yeah let's just talk about it for the next hour man but like uh, you know I'll, 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 I'll hit on the highlights man by the way december 5th was my last day on the w2 nice yeah man nice. and i gave them a three-month notice so uh i have an electrical engineering background so much like you an engineering background i was in the theme park industry for 18 years i was in the development so chances are if if in the last 18 years you went to a large park here we can't name, 
but has a mouse on it. You rode one, you rode one of the attractions that I was a part of. So that gives me a lot of fulfillment. I was a leader in that space. I, I ran teams, which is why I wanted to give them plenty of notice to try to, you know, try to backfill me. And I mean, as, as you'll get to know me, there's, there's no backfilling me, but you know, you can try. There's only, only one dwell. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So here's the thing. I mean, you got, you had a pretty good thing going, right? And it's like, yeah. sometimes when we have a good thing going, why make a change? Why did you want to make a change? So I love the construction industry. I love what I did. I really, really, I enjoyed changing people's lives because I was a leader. I created programs. I had at one point over several hundred people un- under my care. And um, it, it, was a, it was a passion. But what I did not love was the hours. I did not love having to be in the office at seven in the morning and leaving at five, six p.m. You know, and then if, if it's really crazy, we're at the deadlines and it's, you know, it's seven p.m., eight p.m. So uh, I did not love the hours, man. So you you were thinking real estate, right? It's like you read the purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, like, oh, real estate. So what was your original plan? Because here's the thing. I mean, the plans change as as it evolves. What was your original plan? You're like, oh, this is cool. I I need to get me some some real estate. Like, what were you thinking you're doing? Yeah. So so originally from Puerto Rico, from the uh, beautiful island of the enchantment. And I grew up around real estate. My grandparents owned five properties growing up. So I thought it was kind of normal. You know, I thought, man, my, my grandmother's rich. You know, she probably had them rented at 500 bucks each. But, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know any better. And then you're thinking, man, my grandmother's rich. Therefore, I need to be somewhere around real estate. So my wife and I, in 2005, six, seven, or in that range, we started flipping houses. We got into, uh, into flipping houses. Then the recession happened. We got in early during the short sales game. So we started doing short sales. We created the loss mitigation company. And started working around that and then kind of reverted back to flipping houses. But what, what did it for me was I couldn't crack how to get the passive income. I couldn't, you know, everybody wants passive income. I personally wanted more passive income so I can have more control of my time. That's really the uh, catalyst behind everything is, yes, I love engineering. Yes, I love construction, but I love being around my family. I love traveling. I love trying to inspire others. You know, and so I couldn't do that, you know, being tied down and then having all my energy drained. You know, another thing, Michael, that to answer your question, sometimes I go down rabbit holes. So please forgive me. Please reel me back in, man. But it's <laughs> giving all my energy. And, and I felt like I was giving the best of me to somebody else's dreams. And I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to give the best of me to my family and to myself. You know, it, it, it kind of uh, I was getting tired of coming home getting tired, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a thing, but it's not an uncommon thing, right? You read this Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, and you're like, oh, passive income, real estate, let's do yeah. it. And then you start wholesaling or flipping or landlording. Oh, you're dude. like, you're like, another W-2. You, you know, you're scratching your head going, daggone it. After sometimes several years, you're like, this, something is not right. You, you don't seem to be able to figure it out until you get around apartment buildings. And of course, when you hear that, you're like, oh my gosh, super advanced, need millions of dollars. You know, I'll, I'll put a pin in it. But how did you learn about apartments? And more importantly, why did you think it was a viable strategy for you? Yeah, well, I didn't initially, man. I had, I had all those limiting beliefs. So we, we started doing the, the flipping houses. We tried to buy, uh, you know, we started buying a, a portfolio of rentals that my wife managed while I was still doing the flipping thing. But it was, man, yeah, like you said, it, it, was, it was still work. It was another job. So here I am at a demanding W-2. And then, you know, like my lunch period is, is just harassing contractors that didn't show up. 
to leave work, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock drive to the properties and, and, you know, try to demand that the contractors come back or try to meet them at six in the morning. And it was, it was, a, it was a pain for me. What did it was I, I had to travel a lot to California during 2014, 2015, we were building a major attraction here in Orlando. I'm in Orlando and we had to travel, you know, for all the design and all that stuff. And so I was in the middle of one of the largest flips that I was doing. And I noticed every time I was in California, the contractors were MIA. So I was like, dude, like this three month flip is taking nine months. And, and, I, was, and I have gray hair now, but like I had, I was looking like you, man. <laughs> I was in my twenties. <laughs> nice. But uh, that, that's when I was like, I got to do something different. I need to figure out how to get into multifamily. So I started trying to investigate, you know, for me, multifamily, and I'm sure for you too, and for a lot of you guys listening, it was duplexes, triplexes, and quads. That's multifamily because dude, who owns these apartment complexes? It's, it's, it's the wealthy. There's no way that I can get any a piece of that. And I don't know how I stumbled upon the book, Multifamily Millions. And that's what did it for me. It's like that book made it relatable. It was in 2018. And once it, it clicked for me that, hey, wait a minute, I can buy an apartment building. I just need to figure out how to get people bought in to my vision and my idea and to join me on this journey. And then that for me is when it just clicked. And I just said, man, forget risk. Because another thing as I go through the evolu- evolution of this is that the commercial world is true investment. It's a finance world. And if I, I went in thinking real estate, real estate mindset, you know, flipper mindset, scarcity mindset. When in reality, this is a finance game, man. Like this is this is a different game altogether. And if and if you're playing checkers while the rest of us are playing chess, you know, it's you can get eight up. Well, the reality is, you know, and I I actually came from the flipping duplexes, triplexes. I mean, we we did more of a, a little bit of a longer term hold strategy, but they were in uh, some bad areas. So there were a lot of D-class stuff. And that was the only way that we could fathom how to get into the business to starting there, right? You had the challenge of, even if you have a portfolio of those smaller multifamilies that are sub four units and sub four units is not commercial multifamily. That's just residential right. multifamily. Exactly. So it's a different game, but th- then you run into the issues that you would have with like a single family home portfolio, same exact thing. You got, you know, 20 lawns to mow, you got 20 roofs to to look out for deferred maintenance on, just stuff like that. And so, you know, you kind of started down that path and then you're like, okay, well, there's a bigger game. And there is, man. for us, it was like inching into it. So we, we were like, okay, let's buy like a, you know, next thing I think it was a 30 unit. We're like, oh, we could do a 30 unit. And then it was uh, 50 and then it, we literally, we just kind of scaled up that way. And, and then we awesome. found money along the way to do it. Curious, like, how did that look for you? Yeah, that's an excellent question. For me, it clicked once I realized that it wasn't about me anymore. Well, once I really understood the chess game, it was no longer checkers. I realized, man, it's not about me getting rich, which is that scarcity mindset, that flipper. And again, I'm not disparaging uh, flippers. I was my mindset when I was doing it. You know, because like it's this one house and this one block, and I have to have it, and only I can wholesale this thing, and I have the control of this thing. Once I realized, like, I had an aha moment that my job is to serve others. My job is to create investment opportunities for others and bring others along. And it's not about the slice of the pie; it's about making that pie bigger and bigger and bigger, making that pie infinite. And once that clicked for me, 
that's when I started launching out. And, and actually, during 2020, we had the great pandemic, right? I mean, we're still in it, but we had the great pandemic. And I, I remember seeing all the podcasts and everybody was like peeling back and saying, hey, let's just stop. Let's just see what's going on in the market. You know, it was last, you know, a couple of marches ago, but they're like, hey, let's just stop. Let's freeze. Let's not do anything. We, and, and everybody was like, all of a sudden was the expert saying, we don't know what's going to happen. We're not going to do any distributions. We're not going to do anything. And that's when I called my partner, uh, Myron, my partner in, in, in crime. And I'm like, dude, we need to strike. Like now that, now that the people are falling asleep, you know, be greedy when others are fearful. I was in the middle of a cold calling campaign, but I just, man, I, I, I 10x that thing, especially because I was allowed to work from home. You know, one of the issues always is how do I find the capital to do these larger deals, right? So how did you do that? Right? Because most people are uncomfortable in the, with the thought of raising capital, asking friends and family. You know, they're afraid of it. They don't want to beg people or manipulate people and, you know, have never asked for money before, right? So how did yeah. you leg into that? Because, you know, you've raised over $6 million at this point, but you had to start somewhere. How oh, yeah. did you start doing that? Well, grassroots, believe it or not. So we did a lot of friends and family. We did local seminars. So we, we went to our, our local HOA, started renting the HOA clubhouse, and we, we ended up buying a big screen TV and we would fit 10 to 30 people in it and just one by one, grassroots, started building up the database. Uh, I would go to local RIAs and just start networking there. Eventually, they let me start presenting there. So I was presenting You'd be familiar with it, but it's a sample package deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, is yeah. that right? Yeah, so, okay, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Talk about it a lot. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you start presenting that. I start uh, talking about the benefits of syndication. And that's how I started growing the database. So then while others were fearful that we got greedy, started making cold calls, found several people, several tired landlords that like, dude, I don't know what's going to happen. I just want to get out of these properties. So that's how we landed our first deal. It's an 11 unit. So how did you, as you started cold calling owners, how did you get that list? First of all, we paid CoStar. So we, okay. we paid up, we paid up, we started farming our markets, central and North Florida. That's so we got the list. We curated the list. You could filter out what's a landline and what's a mobile phone number. And it was a mobile phone number. I just started going dialing for dollars, man. Like I, I, I didn't have, I didn't have a system. My system was, you know, my, my Samsung. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. So you started calling these owners and I'm sure you probably didn't connect with a lot of them. They didn't return your phone calls and like, and so how did that go? I mean, was that, were you very encouraged? Was it more of a discouraging experience? Like what was it oh, like? Dude, it was discouraged. The very first, uh, the very first round was ultra discouraging after getting cussed out because like, yeah, it's okay when people don't answer. That's okay. You kind of, uh, you kind of, you're kind of afraid. You kind of don't want them to answer you know, but then when they answer and they cuss you out, like, you know, eh, that, that's not a good feeling. But uh, I, I had a, a lot of encouragement from friends and family and, and peers that I've met through networking to said, just keep calling and eventually got a, several of on the hook, man. So you got several on the hook. And then how did you induce the 11 unit to sell to you? He sold himself to me. So in the conversation, he talked about how he, I mean, it was the classic tired landlord. I want the phone calls to stop. These tenants are so needy. I have three vacancies because I just don't want people in them. I don't even want to market. When he's talking to you and he's, we drove down in person and he's literally crying, literally, literally crying. <laughs> yeah. He's like, just make this phone call stop. I, like that, that's what keeps resonating. Just make, just, just keep these, just make these 
phone call stop. And that's when I was like, I can do that for a price. So he was he was suffering, basically. You, you found yes. a moted, classic house flipping motivated seller. And, right. and that's cool. So he goes, man, when can you come? I need to take this off. You know, I need to, I need to get rid of this. So so yeah. then you, you did a deal with this guy and you bought it directly off the, off the owner. Yep, yep. We ended up doing a JV from the investor database that I had built. We also did a webinar. And again, like, shame on me, right? I don't have any social media. I'm working on that, I promise. But uh, <laughs> everything that I've done to date has all been grassroots. And, you know, we did a webinar. And from that webinar, we had a ton of interest of people that wanted to partner with us on this JV. So we did it as a joint venture, just five people. And we recently exited that and had doubled the value on that property. So we, it, it was great. I love it. I love it. Now we talk about the law of the first deal a lot. And I'm curious if, if it, you know, what happened after that, if that played any kind of role and what, uh, what your second and third deals were like. Yeah, man. So first and foremost, thank you for this. It's a, uh, it's, he's holding up, you're holding up the red coin uh, for people not watching this on YouTube. He's holding up the financial freedom coin, which we award to uh, people who are, we somehow influenced in, into their first deal to get a red coin. And so that's what he's what holding about? up. Oh, and the handwritten note. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, okay. man. That's yeah, pretty man. cool. And uh, now that you quit your job, we have to send you the blue, uh, the blue coin, which is, which is pretty cool. So you got that first deal for that 11 unit, which is awesome. And then, and then what? Then I 10 x Then immediately thereafter, I got 101 unit under contract. Also, also from an older seller. It was a mom and pop guy. He owned it for 15 years. So we closed on 11 unit in October and we closed on a 101 unit in December. And did you get that also through your cold calling campaign? Cold calling campaign, 100%. If you're interested in passively investing in multifamily syndications, then check out our investment firm, Nighthawk Equity at nighthawkequity.com. You can learn more about us, our team, our track record and investment process, and you can schedule a call with us as well. Just click the join button. You can fill out a short form to join our investment club, and then you can schedule a call with us. We'd love to have a conversation with you and share some of our upcoming opportunities. Again, that's nighthawkequity.com. Talk to you soon. So the, the first one, you did JV, five, six people putting in you know, a bunch of money. Now for 100, yeah. 101 unit, I mean, that is a, that's a bigger deal, right? How much money did you have to raise and how did you get from raising, what did you raise in your first one to this one? We raised 250K on the first one. On the first one. That's pretty good. So it's five at 550,000. That's awesome. Yeah, and then what did and you raise on the 101? Two, two million on the 101. How much time went by and what did you do to go from 250 to 2 million? Ah, uh, man, that's an excellent question. Networking. It, it's all who you know. It, it became networking. So I've created, I suck at CRMs, but I, I'm pretty good at Excel. Yeah. So uh, I just created a list of everybody that I've met, whether they're in the, in the game or not, and then just constantly following up. Once I had this deal on the contract, just started calling, would you be interested in investing? These are great returns, you know, seven to 9% returns. And then, you know, we got the 15 to 20% AAR and being able to talk the lingo, but also being able to present the deal and being able to present the SDA, which is what I use exclusively, 100%. But going over, I mean, I was, uh, we called it speed dating, but it was constantly on Zoom calls, presenting the SDA, presenting the deal, and then just making so just, people believers. Just curious, Duhamel, so yeah. did you did you start building these relationships prior to the deal? Yes. Like you yes. started that process soon. What was that like? What, what were those kind of phone calls like? What were you presenting in the pre-stage before the deal? 
Sure. And I am full disclosure, I am still doing it. I feel that my job is to continue to raise capital, to continue oh, yeah. to find investors. Absolutely. For sure. But you know, it was uh, grow that Rolodex, man, grow, grow that spreadsheet. As anytime I went to a networking event, grab cards and then let a couple of weeks go by and then just start following up. And, you know, one of the things that I learned is do what others are not willing to do. You know, like even during the cold, cold calling campaign, I was knocking on owners' doors as well. What do you, and, what are you saying to these people when you, so when you talk to them the first time, what does that look like? Like what kind of, do you have a, a script you go by that you memorize? Is it, yeah. what is the conversation like? Just curious. Yeah. Cause you sure. don't have a live deal. You don't have a live deal. Right. So that's, that's a fair question. What do you talk to these people about? Yeah. So when I'm talking to future investors, I'm trying to pitch them. My goal is to show them that there is a better way to invest in real estate. What I call the right way to invest in real estate, because this is what the wealthy are doing. You know, there's something like hundred percent of the billionaires own commercial real estate. You know, they're not owning houses here and there. So for me, it's to go on a journey to you know, give people the red pill, be Morpheus and, and, and wake them up a little bit and say, Hey, look, this is the way to invest in real estate. You're, you're still an owner. So just, just educating. The big thing for me, Garrett, is educating. I need to continue to educate. And that's what I was doing. As Even though I didn't have a deal, I was just leveraging education. So do these people not have any prior knowledge of real estate in general? Are these people, you've, where, where are you networking, I guess, to find these investors so that you can, you can tell them about this? It's an excellent question, but it was telling you grassroots, man. Like a, a lot of our, when you look at our investor database, a lot of engineers, a lot of entrepreneurs, barbershop owners, we have athletes, artists. So really unconventional ways because we were just going out to the community and say, hey guys, like you need, you need to be a part of this. So something else that really is the main catalyst of why I do what I do is that there is a statistic that shows that by 2050, Black and Latino households will have negative net worth. And so to me, that's like, that's my children, that's my kids' kids, that's my family, that's my friends. You know, I'm, I'm Latino, uh, my partner is African-American. And so for us, it's like that hits home. And again, thinking about chess and not checkers, we're on a mission. So for us, it's like, we need to be out in the community. We need to be out there raising awareness and we need to be making investors out of, you know, our friends and peers and their friends and peers. Yeah, so you have a kind of a mission to educate these groups that you're talking about who may not know about investing in real estate at all. And so it does give you a certain level of an, an, an excitement to share this with, with others, which is really cool. I mean, is it, how do you expand your list then? I mean, I know you go to meetups, so it makes a lot of sense, but it sounds like you're doing a little bit more than just going to real estate meetups. What else are you doing? Because it seems like you're constantly adding people to your list. You then follow up, you stay in touch, and then you have a deal. How do you expand that list? What are some of the things that you're doing? I had a friend tell me, a mentor, he tells me that when he's at his kid's soccer game, he's going up and down the sideline talking real estate. And that's basically what I do. So when we go to, to family barbecues or, or barbecue, you know, friends' barbecues or whatever, you know, people want to talk football. Yeah. I want to talk real estate. You know, I, like I'm, I'm that guy that just... Five minutes into the conversation, I'm asking you, hey, hey Michael, what do, what do you invest in? You know, I try, I try to get it real, real quick. That's really how we're doing it. 
Yeah, and that starts the conversation, and 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 I like that because people like to talk about if they you know if they're investing, they want to talk about oh, invest in crypto, you know, I'm in the market, yeah. right? You know, and it kind of opens up that door. And the other thing you're doing is you're being intentional with conversations. This is a thing. It's not like it's not like you're necessarily talking more with people. You're just intentional about your talking. Most people just shoot the breeze. You know, talk about politics. You can talk about that for hours or sports or the weather, and yet you do that. You build some rapport, but then you kind of steer the conversation. And I think that's exactly. It's not so much fundraising; it's so much just being more intentional with your conversations. And I think that's what kind of what you're saying. And the other thing, the other takeaway is that you got to be talking to everyone you meet. That's it. You know, always. Yeah, always in, in the park, in a, in a playground. Uh, yeah, I got invest. I, I have investors that I've met at our kids' playground just because we're talking two dads bumping to each other and then just start talking. Hey, what do you invest in? That's a great because you guys are listening, watching, listening. It's a great, it's a great line. What do you invest in? Right. So it's a great segue into into that. And so once you put them in your database, you call them up, you're educating them. Now, let's say three, four, six months goes by without a live deal. How do you keep your investors warm? Right. Because what happens if you you have a conversation six months later, you, you have a deal, they may not remember who the heck you are. You know, and they're like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. I don't know. Delete, right? Do you do anything to kind of stay in touch with people until you have a live deal? Yes, yes. I have a newsletter. Okay, good. Talk I have a newsletter. About yeah, it's a monthly newsletter, 100% curated by me. Because I know there's some people out there that that they outsource a newsletter. My newsletter is 100% curated by me. You know, the good old Mailchimp. Everybody that I meet, I roll them through. Hey, quick text. Hey, do you mind if I add you to my newsletter? Boom, drop them into the newsletter, and and, and that's how I create the drip. And whenever there's a deal that's happening, you know, I'll create some buzz there. But I'll Again, grassroots, man, because they're on my spreadsheet. I just start texting or calling. Say, hey, just heads up. I'm working on this deal. You know, 50K minimum, 100K minimum. Make sure that you're interested. And make sure that you're in, in, in our investor portal. And then just kind of slow roll it, man. Like, you know, slow roll it that way. So that's that's pretty cool. Do you outsource any part of that? Are you still doing it yourself? Have you no. thought about outsourcing this? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, a lot of this is very time consuming. And uh, uh, even though, you know, thankfully I am now a full-time multifamily investor, this is what I do full-time. It still takes a lot of time to do do everything. I, I do the website myself. I mean, I do every, everything that I do, I do myself. But yeah, I'm, I'm working on on delegating or outsourcing some of that. That's pretty cool. So that's, that's pretty yeah. cool. So you have, you have a partner. You talked about a partner. How do you and partnerships are very common in this business, as as you well know. But you know, but in general, as Gary can attest to, partnerships are very challenging. You know, and in your particular case, how do you guys split up your roles and responsibilities? How do you guys get along? How how do you hold each other accountable? Yeah, and I love this question, and I love what you said about partnerships are challenging, and I think they're meant to be challenging. A correct partnership helps you grow, helps you grow, and helps you think, and you're and you're helping each other grow. And for me, it was about how do I find my opposite? I'm pretty outgoing. I'm kind of the anti-engineer. I'm outgoing. You know, I like to be out front. I like to be the guy, you know, hunting the deals, negotiating. I like the art of the negotiation. Yeah, you're kind of an uh, odd engineer in that way, I must say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> for sure, man, for sure. I mean, even in my W-2, I was, I was the guy out there, you know, negotiating this almost six multi-million dollar uh, attractions, but just looking for my opposite is, is while I'm out here raising capital or, or, or getting on stage to talk in front of a RIA or to talk in front of a group, I need somebody that, that is very operations driven, somebody that's looking at the analytics, that's more into just looking at all the legal things or the, or the I's dotted, the T's crossed. 
And, and that's how we met the partnership. My, my partner, we went to school together. We actually, we went to college. He's also an engineer. And we went to college together and, and just kept in touch throughout the years. And about three years ago, I showed him how, how exciting this life would be. And not only that, it was, you know, I mentioned that he, he's, he's black. And one of the things was, dude, let's impact our community. You know, let's, we, let's get on the campaign. He's bought into the vision. And it's our mission, you know, together. Yeah, yeah I, I love that. I love that. How, what are you guys doing to ensure deal flow right now? I mean, it's always been hard. I mean, it's always been hard. To, and, and as you start scaling, right, I think you realize by now that you're in head of a multi-million dollar business and you have a partner, you have some track record, and, and you're already working on scaling your capital raising, right? You're, you're, you're right. expanding your list, you're calling, maybe you'll get a VA to outsource some of that. You got a newsletter, you got the, the web webinar, so you're scaling that. What about how do you ensure regular deal flow? And it, it, you sound like you're the guy who's doing that. How are you getting deals now? You're still cold calling owners, but what does that look like on a regular basis for you guys? Yeah, man. I, and I think, I don't know if you're leading the witness or not, or maybe this is just natural progression, but you add pieces to the team. And so I've began to outsource the cold calling. And then I've began to outsource some aspects of what we do on the acquisition side. So right now we have five of our own deals, 100% off market. I have another one that we're about to get under contract, hopefully like this week. Todd was our attorney. You better got to hurry up and get that contract to us. But we have another, another one in line. So our pipeline, our pipeline is hot. We have some more off-market deals in South Georgia that we're working on, but it's a combination from delegating the cold calling duties, bringing them on, on our team. They're under our umbrella, but they're doing all the cold calling. And once it gets to a certain stage, they pass it off to me. And then in the, in the background, I'm working on broker relationships, which is probably the hardest thing. I think, you know, I think we always talk about get to know brokers, call brokers, but I mean, how many how many people are calling the same brokers? So just proving that I'm a player to these brokers and just cultivating those relationships. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, most people would say that what you're doing is harder, which I, I would agree. I think cold calling owners, like most people are like not going to do that, right? It's it's much easier to simply build a relationship with, a, with you know, two or three brokers who keep feeding you deals. And it's funny, now you're approaching them from a position of, of strength because you now have deal flow and you have track record. So for you, it's going to be much, much easier. I think you've did the hard part. On the other hand, you know, kudos to you because it's also less less competitive. But it sounds right. it sounds to me like you feel like in order to uh, ensure regular deal flow and expanding your business, you do need another lead source uh, in addition to co uh, cold calling owners, which is going to be brokers. So that's kind of the next thing for you. Not getting away from cold calling, but I'm adding too, especially as we're scaling to 200, 300, 400 unit deals. Like right now we're investing final on a 400 unit deal in South Georgia. And it's between us, I call it little old us and a, and a larger group out of here, Florida. But it's because it was off market and because we have the broker relationship that we're being considered. We also have another 200 unit that our property manager brought to us. This is another one that's kind of a key is... is have good relationships with property managers, treat them well, but also, you know, treat them as part of the team, but obviously don't let them just run away with, with the business plan. But now we have our property manager giving us deal flow. So we have that 200 unit completely off market that I'm working on right now, courtesy of our property manager.
That's pretty awesome. Hey, you mentioned uh, kind of a mission. I love that, right? Because you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of syndicators, you know, and and there's nothing wrong with that. They're just kind of they don't really have a mission, and we kind of struggle with that a little bit because we're so busy trying to find deals and trying we're just trying to scale and grow our businesses. And so, what is your mission? You talked about serving blacks and Latinos, which is pretty cool. Uh, what does that look like for you when you're sitting together with a partner yeah. and you're like, man, you know, what, like, what do you want to do? What do, how do you want to impact those groups? Yeah, 100%, man. And it's, it's because I was raised in, in this community, you know, from Puerto Rico. I was brought here as a, as a young kid and we grew up in the lower middle class area. Demographics is mostly black and Latino. And, you know, just looking at, looking at our surroundings and beyond our surroundings, we have a lot of professionals. We have a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, not just athletes and artists, but we have salon owners. We have, you know, computer IT business owners. So we have business owners that are generating income, but they just don't know because there's a lack of education in our community. They're just not aware that there is an investment vehicle available to them outside of Wall Street. And that is our mission is to go to them, educate them and have them invest in, for us to create those investment opportunities and have them accept those investment opportunities. But the thing is, Michael, that I don't have a number. I was asked at a conference recently, hey, what, how many doors, you know, I'm sure it was a really good question. How many doors are you trying to get to, right? Hey, what's your, what's your number? It's like, my number is infinity, man. My number is when that, when that trend that we talked about earlier that, you know, that, that shows my kids and, and my nieces and nephews going to negative net worth, when that trend disappears because of me, then I can rest. Yeah. Which, but, but which I, is never a mission. mission. Which I love that. And this is a sign of a great mission, right? It's like solving world hunger. You're never really done. And uh, and I, I love that. That means it's a worthwhile thing that you can do. I really love that. Uh, Duamel, how can people connect with you and find out more? Yeah, man. Duamel at 1015.co. T-E-N-1-5.co. That's our website. And Facebook at 1015 Capital. Hit me up, man. Text me, 407-402-0480. My phone's always by my side, except when it's not, because I have I do have Do Not Disturb around family time. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, just your phone will definitely light up. So this is awesome. This has been great, man. I appreciate you coming on, sharing some really tangible advice about how to raise capital right now and deal flow. So thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, and, and my biggest thing is thank you for this platform, Michael, number one, to talk about the mission which as you can see, we're really, really passionate about. And it's something that we're real sincere about. We, we really, really live it. Uh, but number two, you know, give the opportunity to thank you for this because believe it or not, you know, these gifts that you gave me really inspired me. You know, I think as you go through life, you keep running into doors and, and then you kind of fall down. Then you get up, hit another door, and then you fall back down. And, you know, it, it's, this helped me. When I got this in the mail, really wasn't expecting it. It helped me, you know, in a time where I had just hit a door and fell back down and I needed to get that picked me up. So thank you. Thank you for being an instrumental part of, of where I am today and where I'm going because we're not done yet. Yeah, I can't wait to see where you're going to take this to ML. So again, awesome to have you on the show and uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you, guys. So I really liked what he said that he realized that he's not playing checkers. He's actually playing a different game, chess, right? It's, it's a different level. And when you think about that, when you're shifting your mind around something like single family house investing, which is a familiar thing for most people, they read a book or watched, you know, flip this house or something like that. When they realize that the people who are quitting their job, the people who are building generational wealth, the people who have true passive income are doing it differently. 
it's a game changer. And I think you recognize that. And I hope you guys listening to this also recognize that as well. And so I love that because it's a mindset shift. Yeah. I think that, you know, he's going out in the market with the mentality like, hey, I want to educate and help people get into these investments that they they normally wouldn't have access to. And, and so it's coming from a different place in general. And that's what's allowing him to have the success that he's been having is, you know, a lot of these people he's talking to, they maybe not even know about it. And he's just going in there and saying, hey, listen, here you go. This is how this works. And I know that if I can get you inside one of these investments, it can be really lucrative for you and it can help you get into a different place in general. And you know, I thought that was really powerful. And so then not only that, he, he went down a path of helping educate them on an ongoing basis and then getting in front of them before they even had a live deal. And I think that that's super important. And I don't think everybody thinks of that. I like that he's thinking about raising money, which is always a stumbling block. He's thinking about it, about educating and about serving others, especially in the Black and Latino community. If you think of it that way, it takes some of the pressure off because you're not manipulating them. You're not begging them for money. You're sharing your enthusiasm for an investment that's materially better than the stock market. And that's, that's really how you raise money, right? And that's, I really like that. He went to the investors, you know, was this thing where, you know, what do you invest in? That segue opens up the conversation and then you can share what you have learned about this new asset class. So I really like that way of thinking about raising capital. So I also like his hustle, guys. And if you're listening to this repeatedly, you will notice a common thread in, in our guests that we interview. They have a degree of hustle. And that's what he did. He started making cold calls and he built a support group around him because it's cold calling. I mean, who really likes cold calling? No one really does. You kind of just beat through it. And how do you get through it? You need a certain amount of grit, but you also need a support group, right? You need someone who's maybe holding you accountable, encouraging you. So, you know, you really got to have and develop a, a work ethic. And everybody in, in sales, for example, they know this. It's a numbers game and it's 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 something that you have to have. You have to have a certain amount of grip to be successful in doing almost anything, whether it's losing weight or or whatever you want to try to get over. You need a certain kind of discipline and, and Duamel definitely had that. I also mentioned earlier PJ Kaminer, who closed on his 82 units in Fort Worth. If you're if you want to work with a full-time syndicator like PJ did, if that describes you, you really value mentorships, then check out our mentorship program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. Schedule a call with us and see if that's right for you. We actually are the only organization that guarantees that you'll do a first deal in that in that first 12 months. We've done it so many times, we just we just know how to do it. In fact, we're gonna have an entire team that supports you on your journey. Really excited about this program. So check it out, the michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. All right, guys, really appreciate this. Hope you're inspired by our guest today. Take some action. Catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.